You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ask Drone You. We've got a very special guest today, and I want you to hear from the horse's mouth how you can create scalable, recurring revenue drone jobs in your business. What does it take? How much can you really make? And how long will it take you to actually reach that point of having, well, sustainable income? So today we have a former Drone You student. I would actually classify him as one of my favorite students because he's so jovial, open, and willing to learn, and knows what it takes to hustle hard. But hopefully, we can learn from Glenn LeBay, as he really is going to tell us what troubles he's had, what he's had to overcome, and how we can make the hustle just a little bit easier. So, help me welcome Mr. Glenn LeBay. Hey, Glenn. Hey, how you doing, man? What's going on, Paul? Thanks for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. That's real, by the way. I was just going to say, I know it looks like a Zoom <laughs> background, but it is actually uh, the Scoob in one side and his Jeep in the other, which honestly, I love, Glenn. So, hey, for everyone who doesn't know you, give us an idea. You're a drone pilot. What jobs are you focusing on right now? And uh, t- just tell us a little bit about your business. All right. Well, of course, it started years ago, you know, five, six years ago. We're celebrating five years at Aerial Camera Services and um, started out way back in the beginning thinking we we're going to be all movie stars and flying movies and doing all of that. And of course, everything's evolved, including all of this camera equipment and lighting and everything else that I have here. So um, basically, it started out in that. But as I you know, it's kind of funny because I go look at some of my old emails and stuff like that. Um, where I wrote to FLIR and I wrote to, you know, other companies like that, you know, I was doing drone deploy in its infancy. So mapping and all that stuff and industrial work was something that I was going towards even way back in the beginning, thermography, all this stuff. I wrote to all these people going, what can I do to be that? And, um, so perseverance and persistence, the never ending, thirst for knowledge. I constantly, even last night, I was uploading new software for 360 photography because I think that's going to be one of my new future businesses. Um, I mean, like gigapixel, you know, museum quality stuff. But anyway, never stop. I never stop. You just learn and learn and learn. You know, one point that you made is that you were kind of on the cinematography kick and you've kind of moved into the uh, technical world of drone jobs. So for drone pilots who may not know what it takes to get there, help us understand what did you have to learn? What type of training did you do that really was effective for you? And uh, overall, I mean, how long did it take you to kind of get to a, a level playing field of constant jobs? Um, well, of course, I started out back with uh, taking your classes and your courses and everything, um, doing, what do you call them, uh, you know, courses and practicing my figure eights and flying forward, going backwards, maintaining, doing all that stuff, everything I do to possibly learn how to control the aircraft. Because again, like I said, I want to be a cinematographer. So in doing all of that and still training to this day, we fly our little tiny whoops in the house all the time. Tammy and I were always flying, fly, fly, fly. 
because it's all about muscle memory. And um, so going from all of that through all of the stages that were involved, I mean, you know, of course, you know, I bought an M600 with, I got Grimsey gimbals and all this stuff thinking, oh, I'm going to be a heavy lifter guy. And so all this stuff, but all of that stuff was more steps and getting towards to where I ended up pretty much in the last three years. And that's doing solar work. Um, I was able to uh, grasp solar work, uh, some work on my own in the beginning. I started doing work with Con Edison, um, just doing progress reports, but then kind of said, hey, I can do this and do that. Took my Inspire One and my little and bought a 13 uh, millimeter FLIR 640 thing, flew that. And then I'd fly my Phantom over it and quickly realized that that wasn't going to work. So I went and bought an M210, which I still have right now. And um, though though you don't think it's great, this thing, these birds I have just fly. And I probably made $150,000 off of just an M210 that, you know, I'd send it in once a year and it cost me $1,000 for new sensors and motors and all that kind of stuff. But it's well worth it. So... Um, I guess that's kind of where I'm at now, looking for, looking towards the next iteration without, without bowing to geofencing and all that other crap that really annoys my life. So that geofencing, that's something that DJI has really implemented and, uh, has really, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it's inhibited some of my operations. I know it's inhibited your operations. Yep. I know that you don't like it. A lot of other people don't. But uh, do you think that that is a feature they should drop or are you recommending that people go to somewhere like drone hacks and just get the uh, certificate to be able to fly wherever they want? Well, I did that. And unfortunately, they don't have it for M210s. They don't have it for enterprise stuff. They have it. They have Inspire 2, I think, is about as high up as they go for DJI. Um, I think that DJI should keep geofencing but keep the blocking of aircraft flying with geofencing. Great. Give me a warning. Tell me it's time to, you know, oh, you're approaching a zone. I've literally been in a site that I've flown over and over again with one bird, come in with something else, and I fly out, and I don't know if it crossed the line or what. It starts going into an auto land, you know, 10 acres into a place behind a fence that I'm working, and I'm going, holy crap, holy crap. Addy mode, addy mode, and it's like just ridiculous. And there's also the point of redundancy. We do our due diligence, and we have to fly. That's why they have Lance. Uh, that's why we fly. We get authorizations and zero grid and all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, let us do our work. You know, we don't we don't need the mothership watching us because you know, if I want to drive my car to Mexico. I should be able to drive my car to Mexico. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, and I have to say, it really makes you wonder why DJI doesn't allow more companies to become a part of the QEP program, the Qualified Entity Program, to negate that geofencing. But you bring up a good point, right? You've got, it, you've got an M210, you've got some expensive gear, but we've got some new drones out, the Mavic 2 Enterprise Dual Advanced, and we also have the Autel Evo uh, 2 dual enterprise that just came out last week and you know we're talking about $200 batteries versus you know seven to $1,400 batteries depending on which matrice that you fly 
which arguably lowers the uh, barrier to entry to conduct solar inspections. Uh, you know, but with all of that said, how long did it really take you to, you know, have that sustained business? And with these new drones, do you feel like you might move to one of those smaller drones, especially the Autel one that doesn't have geofencing? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that idea because I think that, you know, granted, you're still going to spend a lot of money to get into any kind of solar work. You know, let's say you buy the Autel, where you're going to spend 8000 or 8500 bucks on a camera, another 1800 bucks, and you're going to buy batteries and you got to spend 1000 on the controller, then you should have two. So you're still going to get $20,000, $25,000 to be able to go to work and be credible and to be able to drive to Buffalo, New York from here six hours away and do work and not find out that, oh, no, my bird just died. So uh, it's not still not going to be cheap, but it's going to be better. It's going to be better like with smaller aircraft and that kind of thing, mainly because of batteries. Uh, God, batteries. You know, I'm starting to get just a little bit of puffing starting to show on some of my TB55s or whatever they're called. And, you know, well, I'm going to have to buy batteries again pretty soon. So now I'm just debating whether to hold off and wait. Or just keep running these birds. But honestly, you know, I've been real happy with the M210s, but they're too big. I did a telephone pole job. And, you know, these people, and that's a whole nother subject, as far as safety is concerned, I'm flying around town with this giant freaking thing. And they want radiometric, uh, you know, infrared photography, you know, just ridiculous. Just, just there's giant things flying around, you know, just, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, uh, it's terrible. So how long, what did you say it took you to actually become uh, profitable or self-sustaining on these birds? Right. So, um, so it took about a year, I'd say. And then for the last two years, it's been, you know, once you get established with people and you're consistent, you work hard, you deliver, you're willing to go the extra mile. You don't whine unless you, you know, unless there's a good reason. And it's usually not a whine. It's a good point. You know, you just, uh, you just, you can work. Yeah. So it's really, and I really only probably have a handful of consistent clients. And then, you know, then I have lots of other work that I do, but I mean, I work constantly with probably four or five different companies and three of them are drone service providers. So, you know, that was one thing that you brought up in pre-show is that a lot of these jobs that you're getting are coming from some drone jobbing aggregators. And there was one particular uh, company that you mentioned that, frankly, I've actually never heard of before. And for everyone out there who's wanting to get these solar inspection jobs, these recurring revenue jobs, these jobs that, you know, you might fly, say, four, five, six times a year or even every month, uh, where are these jobs coming from? Um, I, I will give my recommended list for folks out there to go for um, as far as drone service providers, the ones that I've had good luck with. I would suggest you getting on their pilot list. Uh, mind you um, that these guys work, they they have the jobs and there's, a, there's work. Um, and as I said in our previous attempt to have an interview, um, I think a lot of these, a lot of jobs are going to be great for guys that are in more 
urban types areas where there's more population and there's more things to shoot and look at. I live in Western Massachusetts, the Berkshires. It's a lot of groovy and far out people out here and there's a lot of trees and forest and which makes it really challenging to do solar work here because they're on hills and fields and in the woods and they don't cut down their north side of trees and there's a lot to do. So um, uh, the companies like... Um, you know, drone base, obviously, they're really good. I think I know guys who've made a lot of money with drone base. I know people complain about them. They do. They are low. But if you got a lot of jobs, you know, and they're and they're close to your home and you live in a rural or urban area, uh, you can make you can make money. Can you make a living? I don't know. I wouldn't be able to do it with them. But good guys. Would you call um, it paid practice? I would say paid practice for sure, because it's going to get you set up with your systems. You're going to be working your checklist daily. You're going to be doing all these things, which can make you lazy. But at the same time, you burn this whole system into your head. You know, I used to leave without, you know, I used to leave with three propellers, you know, and I'd get out there and I'd be like, oh, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So, but you get all those systems built into place. You come up with your battery managements and systems and all that stuff all start coming in the, you know, play and you start getting really efficient and really good at it. So yeah, paid practices for sure. Um, I can't remember. There was another one. I don't have it on my list here. There's one uh, fly dot photos that I recently did. And these guys, uh, paid me $200 to go to a local CVS store and basically do cardinal shots. And it took like 20 minutes and they hire people and they do all this uh, marketing stuff. And if you can get on fly dot photos list for pilots, I imagine, again, if you're in an urban environment, you know, if you're Denver, Chicago, whatever, any place that has a good population, um, you probably would work quite a bit. Again, side work, not really. I wouldn't say you could make a living at it. Um, fly guys, I really like fly guys, like fly guys a lot. They seem to be really busy in the other part of the industry now. And um, I'm kind of a fan lately. Uh, I don't know if it's because they give me so much work and they pay me top dollar, or at least they say they do. But um, <laughs> but they do pay pretty well and they give me a lot of work and I really like those guys. They're really friendly and they're nice guys. So, hey, Nick. Hey, Jonathan. Um, my favorite of all is uh, Leo Adams at Skylink, S-K-Y-E-L-I-N-K, Skylink. Leo's doing some really good things. He's a young buck, man. He's young like you. Actually, he's younger than you, Paul. And he's he's got a pretty good business going. Um, and they do a lot of solar. They do a lot of infrastructure. And um, uh, he just called today to do some RTK stuff and all of that. So he's got a really wide reach. And he's been killing it for about two years now. He's doing a really good job, you know. And... You know, I can get into the whole pilot network thing and what I think of it because you're only as good as your pilots. But I don't know how solid of a model that really is. But it works for these guys and I'm glad that they do good and I appreciate the work. And so Skylink. So go to Skylink. Uh, he's definitely looking for solar type people in the Midwest. You know, a lot of the East Coast is covered. Probably a lot of California is covered. I don't know. But definitely get on the mailing list and um and once you get hooked up and you show that you're reliable and you work hard, you will get work from all these people consistently. I promise you that. 
That's awesome, Glenn. Uh, Skylink was the one I was after because that was a new one. And it's honestly awesome to hear that someone is excelling um, because when you do things the right way, it seems to kind of happen naturally. That said, you know, when it comes to starting your business, maintaining your business, the hustle that it takes, what do you think is the hardest thing or the hardest uh, subject to overcome as an up-and-coming drone pilot? What was the hardest thing for you to overcome? Gosh, I don't know. Probably back in the beginning, just getting out and meeting people and feeling like I was moving forward when I felt when I really felt like I wasn't getting anywhere at all. So I think getting out and meeting people is really important. Um, again, like in the last interview we did, I had, you know, never, never give up on your on your contacts and, and possibilities. Cause two years ago I had met a, a group of surveyors. I had been to a meeting of, they, they have like a chapter of surveyors out here, uh, one out in Boston, one out in Western mass. And they meet, these guys meet every month, they drink and they have, you know, whatever, but they talk business. I went, I did a presentation two years later, I've been getting quotes because this particular survey company in my town, who's very big and very reputable, changed ownership. And the new owner's son out in California is also a surveyor and he's working with, you know, UAS technology to get his work done. And so it pops over here who's, you know, older and he's like, yeah, let's do it. You know, so here I am two years later doing quotes and bids, haven't done a job yet, but we're talking and we're communicating and I feel like something's going forward finally. So I guess the hardest thing is you really got to get out. You got to meet people. You have to talk to people, not the chamber of commerce. Maybe it works for you. I hate all those things. Ugh, so annoying. Well, I have to say and, when it comes to the chamber of commerce, the only one that really worked for me was like the higher upper echelon, like that cost, uh, I don't know, it was like two grand to become a part of it. But oh. uh, we got some, some really big name clients out of that. Uh, including Facebook and, and all their stuff. And, you know, now Kevin, who's an instructor here, and he was a uh, he was at the fly-in. I think you, you might remember him. But now he's covering all the Amazon jobs in the state of New Mexico. And, uh, you know, it, it. I agree with you that it's networking. Um, it also sounds like, though, in the response to the question, how important it is to have perseverance and persistence. Always. And you have to really live this, you know, I mean, I've been living this for six years now and I feel like nobody because I, when I talk to guys, you know, like you who oh, I started this in, you know, 2014 or whatever, I was flying and building models and all that. I didn't even hear about it. About 2015, I heard about these flying cameras and I always wanted to be a professional photographer. And I'm like, holy crap, there's my opportunity. Nobody's doing this yet. So perseverance and persistence, man, you got to live it. You got to do it. You have to every single day, you have to eat, think, sleep technology, whether it's drones, LIDAR, what's coming next, who's doing what. Go to the podcast. There's four or five that are really good out there. Read the uh, read the emails from U, UVAS or whatever it's called. See, I don't, I'm not really into all these acronyms, so I'm kind of dumb that way. Uh, but read all that stuff. Hear about who's coming in, VTOL stuff and stuff. You know, I just saw the thing about, uh, who is it? Somebody's, uh, oh, Boeing just did a air-to-air -air drone fueling of a F-35 today, you know, a couple days ago. What? You know, beautiful. Learn, read, dig fly, 
and Excel. Yeah. Now, I think networking is really important and staying fresh on technology is important as well. Is there anything that is kind of coming on the horizon that excites you for the drone industry? I don't know, man. It morphs so fast. You know, there's always new things coming all the time. I'm a little tired of beyond visual line of sight, to be honest with you. Um, I think it's great, but whatever. You know, there's it's going to be so select and so few that it doesn't even matter to the rest of us. So I'll partake and I'll watch it. But, you know, you know, RFID and all that nonsense. Um, I'm right there with uh, race day quads or whatever. You know, I'm like. You know, just go away, man. You know, pick, do it. The companies that need it should be the ones that have to do it. If you're going to be a company like Amazon or whatever, and Amazon bailed, and, you know, all this kind of stuff, if you're going to be a company that's going to have and need that infrastructure, then give it to them. But, you know, there's a lot of small companies that just do work that require piloting, and we're all responsible and we all take it seriously. Well, most of us. And, um, you know, and the ones that are terrible, you know, and suck, they, they get weeded out or, you know, then you deal with them just like drunk drivers. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, you do make a really uh, a really prominent point about the company that went on CNBC to say in three to five years, we're going to have drone delivery now completely cancels Amazon Prime Air. So, uh, yeah, you got to love that. But there's a couple of things you brought up I want to touch on really fast, which is, you know, you kind of talked about the fact that there's so much new technology always coming around. And, you know, a lot of it is hubbub, frankly, uh, you know, remote ID with the the lawsuit and the challenge, you know, there's a real question in the fundamental authority of the FAA now, and it seems like they're really going to have to answer that. But I actually really like your position, uh, which for everyone listening, we did not actually talk about this in pre-show, but I like your position about, look, the guys who are doing drone delivery, sure, make them do remote ID, but everyone else, we have such a phenomenal safety record in the history of aviation. We are technically the safest pilots that have ever lived. So that said, I mean, it does kind of seem erroneous to have remote ID, um, but it's going to be definitely interesting uh, to really see where that goes. But in regards to the jobs that you're doing outside of solar inspections, what other type of drone jobs are you really taking on that really give you the right profit margin? You, you feel satisfied and fulfilled when you do these jobs. What are they? <laughs> well... <laughs> I pretty much do solar work now. I've got so much work. I don't know what else to do. I mean, I do other jobs, you know. I mean, I I just flew B-roll for a – because I also do broadcast. I'm a – you know, I do – I'm a, you know, a, a photography director and everything. And we do a lot of live broadcasts through another company called Laudable Productions. And um, so we've been doing a lot of COVID broadcast for, you know, really high end stuff in theaters and live remotes and all that. So I fly a lot of stuff in production as well. You know, my portfolio of work is so diverse that, you know, there's really nothing I can say other than solar. That's solar is the most consistent thing, but I do many, many other things. Many things. Well, that's, I mean, you can't, and I love it. I can't stop. You know, you just keep going. Yeah, you got to keep going, um, especially, yeah, you, you just got to keep going. Well, uh, Glenn, before we let you go, is there anything that you feel like other pilots, other drone pilots, up and coming ones, intermediate, advanced, right? One thing I have to say 
uh, that I have learned recently or relearned, I should say, is how important it is to just keep learning. Um, in fact, now I have a tie to Massachusetts as uh, I am going to graduate courses at MIT now, uh, obviously online. But that said, that was kind of just an ego builder, frankly. I'm not really sure why I said that, but <laughs> other than the importance of continuing to learn. Um, so that said, I mean, what do you believe that pilots should know from you, what they can learn from you? I know you faced a lot of challenges in doing this, but if there was something that you want people to walk away with, what would it be? Well, I think there's nothing there's nothing out there that can speak for experience. So in order to get good at anything, you have to fail a lot. And I failed a lot. I'm 59 years old. I'm not one of the young guys here. I'm one of the older guys. I failed at several businesses, but most businesses have succeeded in one way or another. So uh, you learn by your mistakes, you learn by your failures, you learn by making people mad at you. Um, I wouldn't say that so much for the drone business, but I think in life in general, that's a really good thing to understand, that it's okay to drop the ball once in a while. It's embarrassing, you look stupid, but you know, you just don't talk to those people anymore. And then, <laughs> and then, but the other thing is, is when you're flying, you know, just learn how to fly, 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 fly. Understand your technology, understand how your equipment works, take it, look at it, touch it all the time, you know, sleep with it in the beginning, be like, oh, I love my drone, you know, do all that stuff. Just be one with what you do. You're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. Your equipment does things like what? And it flies that way all of a sudden. And if... <laughs> And so why we don't have attitude mode on every piece of equipment out there just blows my mind because I can't tell you how many times things have done weird things and I've been like, switch, 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 and even switching out and switching back. And you're like, ah, it's still the, ah, but you don't panic. You just, you know, you're into it and you know how to, you know how to work around it. But those things only happen with experience. So you really got to get out and fly. You got to fly near trees. You got to fly near power lines. You got to fly near moving things. You got to, you got to do all those things that are uncomfortable. You have to fly over water. Oh my God. Water's terrifying for like two years. Terrifying. Oh, I can fly over a forest, but boy, I fly over a river and I'm like, ah, it's the end of the world, but you got to do it. You'll find out how it works and then you get better and better. So experience, 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 and don't be afraid. So actually, you reminded me of one last question I wanted to ask you, which is earlier, you know, you kind of talked about the trainings. You had come to our training, uh, the flight mastery, you know, kind of doing the, the proximity stuff. And while at first my purpose in developing those methodologies were to help people with video, right, smooth, the buttery smooth video, how important do you believe that it is to be able to fly in close proximity when you're doing these more technical jobs? Oh, it's huge. I got to tell you one thing. Let me tell you something. Lately, I've been doing a lot of these, uh, um, uh, dr uh, what's the uh, drone deploy missions. They do these uh, roof models for whatever reason. Well, Glenn takes it a step further because you can't fly the thermal until an hour or half an hour after sunset. So I go and pop into PIX4D and go into, uh, what is it? You know, uh, you know, 
fly mode. What is it? Free fly mode or whatever. And I finished the model and they end up with these amazing models when they're done because they don't, they don't cover enough obliques and everything. So I said, uh, you know, and that's something I learned from you guys, you know? So, uh, flying close, close proximity, dude, I make amazing models. You have no idea. I'm no idea. I'm excited. My models are stellar. That's why I want to incorporate 3D interiors with the exteriors because I know we can do it now. And that's that's my that's my retirement gig, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy to hear that you're making uh, really good models. There's some new stuff out there that works with Pix4D to make even better meshes now. But I agree with you that the acquisition methodologies from every other app, they're just it's just not enough. And with Pix4D's free flight, I mean, it's been the gold standard for a while. So I'm really grateful to hear that it's helped you out and that you've been able to one-up the competition. Um, because, I mean, that's our purpose here at DroneU. And I feel like so many people forget why we do what we do. We are not, you know, teaching classes out of our basement. We are not, uh, you know, pedantic CFIs who are like, well, you should know this because you're a <laughs> pilot. You know, we're here to really help people turn their passion into profit. We're really here to help people gain that confidence to do what you're doing, right? To live the drone life. You're outside, you get to explore, you get to have adventures, you buy brand new Jeeps that look beautiful and scoops. Uh, <laughs> I build them. I build them. You build them, not buy them. <laughs> Excuse me. Hey, I'm a bootstrapper too, Glenn. That's uh, that's another reason that I like you. But I got to say, Glenn, it has been so awesome to see you grow and, and definitely appreciate having you on. Uh, one other point I'd like to make, I know we're running out of time here, but uh, another thing I just want to tell folks is to make yourself more valuable to companies and everything, do training, get OSHA training, take your OSHA, OSHA 10 courses, learn to go to thermography training. These are things I've done, not because I'm amazing, but because I got tired of the line catching up to me and I was like, well, I'm going to go to the next, catch me. Uh Cell tower training. I did cell tower training. I'm a COVID compliance officer for Hollywood movie sets because I was going to fly a gig for Michael Bolton, the singer, and they bailed on the on the drone shot, and I ended up becoming a COVID compliance officer. Good thing they know now. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, I'm taking OSHA 40 now. Oh, also, I got my um, uh, my uh, first aid with CPR certificate. People want to see that stuff. The, you know, these big companies that fly, uh, you know, Florida Power and Light and all these big guys who have like helicopter and military guys running the organization. They're all part of risk management and doing their sheets. And it's just crazy. The risk mitigation, learn risk mitigation. Make that your number one priority. Don't be that guy. Learn how the things you need to learn. What are the risks associated? Find one. Go online. Look for a risk mitigation sheet somewhere and go through those and do the check sheets. And you'll find that your value to others will be more and they will continue to hire you and you will be able to ask for more money. And then you, too, can build scoops and build Jeeps. That's awesome. No, I think that's actually really powerful information. Uh, our new pre-flight checklist in the props program, so for those drone new users who are not familiar with the props program, that's our professional, reliable operators practicing safety. And it is a new educational platform built for drone teams, uh, pilots, and programs. But that said, in that new uh, pre-flight checklist on the back, is avoiding emergency procedures and what to do. So risk mitigation, I couldn't agree with you more. But I think, you know, as you talk about that, I just want to hit on this really fast. 
as you talk about that, one of the things that I've said for a very long time is, look, in order to fly really, really well, you have to be safe. Because when you are safe, you learn the methodologies of what it takes to become a safe pilot. And once you have that foundation, you can do the harder stuff and the riskier stuff. But until you have that really good foundation of that muscle memory that you kind of talk about, it's seemingly impossible to be able to do the high level work, the stuff that you're doing. Yeah, I uh, heard a podcast, another podcast recently, a few a couple months back, and it was a FAA, and it, it was an FAA official guy talking search and rescue, and a comment that he made in there, and you should all take this very seriously, and that is his statement was is that we treat a drone pilot, a UAS pilot, the same as we treat a Delta pilot. So if you have a problem, if something happened, guess what? You are under the same scrutiny, the same. Uh, problems, everything that happens as if you were an airline pilot. That's how they look at you flying your little tiny aircraft or your big ass aircraft. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're serious. Mitigation. Be safe. You're definitely right, Glenn. And yeah, I agree. Everyone uh, who uh, who should be flying should be flying responsibly. And that kind of goes back to, you know, having these airspace restrictions. If we know how to do things responsibly, we shouldn't have uh, daddy saying no. Uh, and I've seen so many errors in that program, but, uh, trying to end on a positive note, Glenn, I'm, you know what I have to say, I am so happy for you. I'm glad that you have these recurring revenue jobs. Your business is going and growing. And frankly, uh, I also just want to say, look, everyone, if you are a drone, you member, uh, make sure you download the new community app because Glenn is in there. He is answering questions. He is helping people. And uh, no, he is not stealing your data like Facebook. But uh, <laughs> but on that bombshell, Glenn, thanks again for coming on. I appreciate it. Love you, my brother. You're a good guy. Appreciate you. Right back at you, Glenn. Thank you again. Appreciate you. All right, everyone, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you again for joining us as always. Let us know what you thought of the show. And if you've got a question for Glenn, just download the DroneU community app in the App Store. It's also in the Play Store, and you can ask him questions directly. Also have to say, make sure you check out that podcast about remote ID and the lawsuit because this really could be kind of an industry uh, changer, frankly. And the consequences on both sides are rather uh, enormous. So make sure you check those out. But thanks again for joining us. That's going to do it for us today. This is Ask Drone You. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.